So I'm going to just really get our attention real quick. I'm not really good about naming my sermons and, and things like that. But if anything we can take away from the message today, it's going to be, are you connected? And we're going to talk really about our day-to-day life. And are we truly connected to God? And if you would, with me, just turn your Bibles to John chapter 15 this morning. And we're just going to get into a very basic verse. We've learned in Sunday school as a kid. We've learned through many messages. I'm sure you've heard 15 to 20 messages on this. But I'm going to focus on a very specific portion. If we go to John chapter 15, verses 5, it says, I am the vine and you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. Let's just have one more moment of prayer. God, we just come into your presence this morning. And Lord, we just pray that your word would touch us this morning, that it would get us reconnected with you, God, that Lord, we will not live a life of stagnancy. We will not live a life of the past, but we will continue to push forward, knowing that our day to day life brings forth fruit. We just thank you for the word that you have in store for us. Holy Spirit, Lord, I just pray that you would touch even if it's that one person this morning, that your word would touch them. Lord, we just pray for those online that are watching. If this word is for them, Lord, we just pray that it would truly touch them, open up their hearts, and let them get reconnected to you again. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Now, once again, we come to this verse here. Like I mentioned, even our little kids, two, three years old, right after they speak, these are one of the first things we teach them. Jesus is divine, and we are the branches. Let's modernize this a little bit. Let's talk about some electricity, right? Let's talk about the connections we have with each other. If you look all around here, you see wires and wires all connected to one power source. If one wire is even askew a little bit, what happens? That whole area gets shut off. And we've seen that happen. If even one little plug point is off, we can see that entire connection has no bearing. And why is that? Because you must be connected to a source. See, Jesus is our source. And sometimes as grown Christians, not as baby Christians, as grown Christians, we sometimes forget we plugged in a long time ago, but no one checked that connection. We think we're connected because we did everything we were supposed to at one point, but we don't have that energy. We don't have that drive. We don't have that hunger. We don't have that want anymore. And why is that? Because the question must remain, are you truly connected? See, Jesus talks about vines and branches, but he also talks about the vine dresser. Father God is going in and he is pruning these branches. See, at one point you might have been connected and you might have been growing and bearing fruit and doing everything you were supposed to do. But over time, that fruit didn't bear what it was supposed to bear. We cannot be stagnant in our Christian life. See, as we go harvest to harvest, one thing I love about our culture, my dad has a green thumb. He can make anything grow. I don't know how. Even in New York, he had bavica and barbelinas and all of this stuff and the most rigid of weather. Now he moved here and he's loving it because he can grow even more. So we have this. I look at it. I, I think I bought my wife some flowers. We put it in a pot. I even put it where the sprinkler system did all the work for me. I didn't have to go out and water this at all. It lasted for maybe, I would say, two weeks. And this thing died. 
And this wasn't even in the heat. It wasn't in the sun. It was in the perfect spot. And I couldn't get, I couldn't get it to go. I gave it miracle grow and I did all of this stuff trying to make this thing work and nothing happened. And my dad came from New York and he bought hydrangeas. And even the person at the store said, sir, in Texas, hydrangeas, they don't really last. You shouldn't waste your money. And he was like, no, I, I, I'm okay. He buys two huge hydrangea flowers, puts it right in the front of our yard where there's plenty of sun, plenty of just hot, you know, Texas weather. And it was not near the sprinklers. And let me tell you, these things survived until he went back to New York almost four months later. How this happened, I don't know. But I can tell you one thing. There is a difference in just setting your life and forgetting it. And there's a difference in going back out every single day and making sure what you have invested is still growing in the right way. I hope you understand that. Sometimes we are in a life where we want to say, set it and forget it. Everything is, we even have commercials, right? You, you put your food in there, you set it and forget it. I think that was one of the hit commercials of the 90s and the 2000s. It sold flavor wave ovens like no tomorrow. You set it and you forget it and your food is ready. This is the culture we have developed. We want something where we just put some work in and then later we just get some kind of reward. But the Bible teaches us in so many ways that there is a harvest, there is a season, and then there is a new season. See, what happens is we might have reaped that great reward on that first harvest, but you have to remember there are seasons of famine that may be coming. See, when Joseph called out to the people and he said, oh, there's great famine, they didn't just eat everything they wanted to eat for those seven years. They prepared for what was going to come. See, what happens with the life of stagnancy, you just barely make it. Your Christian walk is just enough where you won't get into trouble. But what happens when waves start coming? What happens when troubles start coming? If your stagnancy is here, if you only learn how to swim like this, when those major waves start coming in your life, you will go down. This message might be a little hard for some of you, but I hope it ignites certain of you to say, I will not be stagnant anymore. Sometimes we go back, especially in India, you see some of these new churches that are planted and you walk in there, you're like, man, this was like my church back in the 90s. This was like my church back in 2000 and, and I don't see that much anymore. Where people were just on fire for God. You walked in, worship didn't stop. You couldn't stop the worship because people kept worshiping. The drummer was off the stage. The musicians were off the stage. It didn't matter. People were in their seats worshiping. That fire of God was in them. And what happens? Did God change? Did God change? He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So if God didn't change, who changed? We changed. Are we still connected? Sometimes you're in the garden, so you kind of feel like, hey, I'm still here, God. But what you forgot is you were pruned off the vine. You are no longer connected. See, this is more of a message, not specifically talking about the vine and the branches, but how to get reconnected to that vine, that power source. If you were that one plug and you were not working, if this whole side of the stage is not working, we have to find that one problem to fix. We keep going to, through this verse. It gets really deep in what God is expecting of us. But more importantly, of how you have to live your life on a day-to-day -day basis. 
stagnancy. If you think about marriage, if you think about work, if you think about so many aspects of our life, the problem many of us have is stagnancy. We are complacent. We have a job. It was a rule of thumb back in the day in the corporate world. They used to say, if you have the same job, same position, same title, same duty for over three years, you need to quit. And the reason is you have no momentum forward. You have no possibility for improvement. It's the same concept. Think about your life three years before in this church, wherever you were. Are you in the same place you are in now? Message might cut deep, but I hope it really catches your attention. Where are you in life three years ago? Can you say, were you in the same seat, doing the same thing, coming to the same meetings, hearing the same word over and over again? Or is there some movement in your life? You can come here every single day. You can come here to every single meeting. You can be the best attendance winner of the church. But let me tell you something. If there is no movement in your life, you're going to get pruned off. That connection to God is going to wither away. And then as we will continue to read those things we need from God, those things we want from God, the fruits of the spirit we are expecting from God will not be attainable to us. Stagnancy is something we must overcome. It's something we must more than overcome. We must address. Take a minute in your life and view places of stagnancy in your life. Where in your life do you see this non-movement? Is it in your marriage? Is it in your finances? Is it in your physical? Is it in whatever it is? How do you move it in the right direction? No one's telling you tomorrow has to be 100% different. But are you going to take a step tomorrow that you did not take today? That is the question you must ask yourself. No one's expecting you to be perfect tomorrow. No one's expecting, even God is not expecting you to be something tomorrow. Because you must understand, being connected to the vine doesn't give you fruit tomorrow. You grow. And as everyone, our, our Carolites in the building and, and our, our green thumbs in the building, it doesn't happen where you put a little seed in and then the next day you turn and you can pull out that bavaka. It doesn't work that way. You need to nurture it. You need to let it grow. You need to give it that sunlight. You need to give it that water. There is a time you must sow. And then there is a time you will reap your harvest. See, what happens is a lot of times I'm, I'm just saddened a little bit about some of the stories I hear of our youth and some even uh, older people. And they talk about, oh, how they're so sad and how they're so lonely and how they're so upset. They're living a, what you would assume is a great life. They have kids, they have a house, they have cars, but just inside they're feeling so joyless. And you're wondering, how is this possible? I have your answer. If we continue to read in this chapter, it really breaks down everything here. So if you keep going down, God starts off with this, or sorry, Jesus starts off in this parable with the connection of the vine and the branches. But if you notice one thing, how he transitions from that, he goes from the vine and the branches to be connected to him, to be able to do great possibilities. And then he goes into love. And if you notice, what is love? Love is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. What people forget 
when they have a lack of love, it is in, it's pretty much telling you here, you are not connected to the vine. Because the first fruit of the Holy Spirit is love. If you're saddened in your day-to-day life, if something is just not feeling right, if you feel like your relationships aren't genuine, if you feel like something in your life is just off, if you feel sad and if you feel lonely, some of you, if you feel depressed, if something just isn't right in your life, let me call out the reason that you need to address. Get connected to that vine. Start from the basics. No one's expecting you to change tomorrow. No one's expecting you to be the best version of yourself. But are you going to take a step in the right direction? The easiest challenge I can make, give yourself that three years. Go back three years and where are you seated? Are you in the exact same place doing the exact same thing? And then can I ask you something? Where will you be in the next three years? You know, when, uh, when we talked about you know, the Frisco campus, I was so excited you know, to hear that we're outreaching and we're doing something. Let me tell you, some of you may say, like myself, I'm not a good speaker. I'm not, this is not what I do. But can you take an opportunity to say I was a part of that? Because let me tell you something. If a person comes to the kingdom of heaven and you were the one vacuuming, guess who gets credit for that? Some of you don't realize you don't have to be the preacher up here. You don't have to be the musician over here. You don't have to be the worship leader. You don't have to be someone someone sees. God knows who was involved. I want to make sure you understand. It doesn't matter what position you play. When your team wins, you win. I think people forget that. They only see the people in the front. They only see the ones who get the big accolades. But you forget when the team wins, the janitor also wins. When the team wins, the little boy on the side just mopping the floors, they win. When your team wins, you win. We, I, I believe it was uh, Reynard Banke that used to say, you know, we want to empty out hell and fill up heaven. It's the same concept. I want you to take a personal challenge today. Take a personal challenge. What am I going to do in the next three years? How am I going to bear fruit? And we'll talk about that in a moment. But can I do something different? To take it, take it to yourself. I take it to myself. Don't, don't take, I'm not attacking anyone. I'm not calling anyone out. This is a challenge for even myself. In the last three years as a Christian, what impact did I have? Emptying hell and filling up heaven. That doesn't mean you personally brought 18,000 souls to the kingdom. That means you prayed for that one family. You prayed for your one neighbor who you know will go to God but just hasn't gotten there yet. You fasted and interceded for your pastor who is out doing the ministry of God. Come on somebody, if you have the ability to do something, if you think it's not the best, do what you can. If you can pray, pray. If you can make food, make food. Whatever it is that you can do, do something in the right direction. Don't let the enemy put thoughts into your head saying, you are not enough. You don't have the ability. You don't have the ability to do anything more than just to come sit down in that seat, get your attendance card and go home. Because what the enemy loves more than people going to his side is people being stagnant. 
you have to remember, imagine if you're playing a sport, if you know there's a weak player just hanging out in that corner, a lot of you, I know a lot of the kids here play basketball. If you know there's that one guard that just sucks, he just can't guard you on the left-hand side, what are you going to do every single time? You're just going to literally pass the ball and score every single time. Why? Because you know there's this one person not doing what they need to do, just standing out. Remember, we are fighting against the enemy. This is an active war. We cannot just stay on the side because what happens, people will use that opportunity. They will see that weakness. Take this moment to get reconnected. To get reconnected. Grow in Christ. That's the best way we can. Let's get back to the word. If we go here, back to uh, John 15, verses 9, it says, As the Father loved me, I have also loved you and abide in my love. Then in 10, it says, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my father's uh, commandments and abide in his love. I think this is also one portion, and this might also cut a little deep, so hear me out. This is another portion. When God says to abide in me, when God says to keep my commandments, this is also sometimes where people are stagnant because they don't want to do more for God. They are comfortable being just regular. They're comfortable just being like everyone else. What happens is when you get to a point in your life where you cannot recognize yourself between a good Christian and a normal person in the community, where you are keeping the commandments just as good as anyone else's, where you feel as keeping the commandments is just being a good person and not getting in anyone's way, where your moral compass has gone down. We're so afraid to go against the norm. You don't have to be that person that, you know, wears big signs and, you know, curses people and down and, you know, that will go to hell and you don't have to be that person. But you must remember, we are not of this world. So God specifically tells us here, we need to stand out. We need to stand out. We get so complacent. We got our cars, we got our houses, we got our kids, they got good educations, they found a good spouse, everything is going in the right way. And we kind of form this attitude of stagnancy. It starts from the top. As the parents, we must instill in our children that doing the work of God is more important than becoming a doctor. Doing the work of God is more important than being an investment banker and having all the cash and money in the world. Our parents, it starts with us. We must instill in our children that the work of God and being in the presence of God is the most important thing. Because what happens is as we let things go, we will slowly see the generations go away. Then 20 years later, you can't look out, God, what happened? We went to every church meeting. We did everything we were supposed to do. But what happens is as you move from the vine, these branches get withered. These branches get withered. 
The further and further away you are from God, you will see that resemblance in your family. A lot of people I see, especially in, in a lot of the churches, I, I've heard so many, you know, aunties and uncles. Oh, you know, my kids used to come to church. Oh, my kids used to be so active in church. Uh, and and they, trust me, these are the same uncles and aunties that are praying day in and day out. But what's happening? It's because the importance of church has been moved. Oh, you have a homework assignment? Oh, oh, no, no, you don't have to go. You know what? Finish that homework assignment and then we'll figure, don't worry about church. Trust me, I'm I'm not pointing. I don't know any of you guys personally like that. I'm not pointing at any of you. It's like, how dare he look at me and say, no, I don't, I don't know you guys like that. It's, it's one of those where I hope you understand. When I was in college, um, first and second year of college, I wanted nothing to do with church. I was born and brought up super Pentecostal. My parents were super Pentecostal and I was brought up super Pentecostal. I went to every single meeting you could possibly think of. When I picked my schools, I picked schools that were only far away. And I didn't tell my parents. I just pretended like I didn't get accepted in anywhere in the 45 to 50, 60 miles near my house. And the only ones were like maybe an hour and a half, two hours away. And I don't think they caught on but it's okay. <laughs> Life has moved on. But I picked school specifically to get away. Now, for some of you, that might have been a bad decision. I could have done stupid things and, and gone in a, in a different way. But I thank God for the experience he gave me because I needed that in my life. I needed to be a little disconnected in my life to remember why I'm connected. It is in college where I realized I could sing, but I can't play any instruments. So trying to sing and lead worship without any instruments is is pretty hard. So God put it in me to learn the guitar. I started in college. And in that step, you kind of move forward in your life and you see when God is putting you in a position, are you connected to him or are you withering away? Every step of your life, take that moment. So you get to college and we finally see, um, you know, there's so many churches. There's no Malayali churches there. It's all, you know, kind of a, a very white area. I don't want to say that in a negative way. It's just, just, there's no other churches other than, you know, just a few. So we went to one church and it was pretty good. My dad always prayed. He was like, I want a Malayali Pentecostal church in Albany. And it's, it's not a real possibility. There's maybe four Malayalis there. And I don't know why this man prayed so long for a Malayali church in Albany. And let me tell you, there is now a Malayali church in Albany with almost 40 families. So when I tell you, when you pray for something for your kids, there is a possibility there. I went to this church and it was four o'clock to almost six o'clock. And everyone looked at me like I was crazy because I went to a morning church and then I came back, ate lunch, and then I went back to this, you know, Malayali church. They're like, your whole Sunday is gone, man. Why would you do that? You're in pharmacy school. You're going to fail out. Why would you do that? And I can tell you one thing. From the day I decided to do this and put some investment in back to the church, back to God, I have never done better in school. And I'm telling you that from second year, failing out very close. Organic chemistry got me. I couldn't do it. I tried really hard. Organic chemistry was was my Achilles heel. All of a sudden, third year, I start going to two churches And my roommates were like, you're stupid. Why would you do that? We barely made it through second year. Why are you trying to do this third year? And I could tell you, 
started doing better. I can't take any credit. I didn't study any harder. I didn't do anything magical. But I can promise you, when you start putting the plans and purposes of God ahead of yours, God will come around and say, I will do this for you. So many kids have had that conversation with me later and said, bless you, Gina, I can't do this. I can't go. And at that point, it was almost bragging. and be like, listen, man, I go to two churches on Sunday and I go to pharmacy school. You got no excuse. Like, you got to come with me. And that's how I brought so many people to church at that time. It was because of the fact that you take that one step, and please don't take this as bragging or anything. It's just my personal testimony in this specific thing. When you take that moment and get reconnected to the vine, your fruit will start showing. That love of God will start showing. That joy of God will start showing. I think the most vulnerable age we see in, in, in kind of life is that, I'd say, a high school to college age. These are the most vulnerable ages because either your kids are prepared and ready for the world or they are ready to be manipulated by everything the world has to throw at it. Whether it's money, whether it's power, whether it's education, whether it's status, whether it's looks, whatever it may be. Parents, take that moment. Are you connected to the vine? Are you connected to Christ? And more importantly, are your kids? Bringing them Sunday after Sunday after Sunday is not enough. My mom used to make sure when I go home, she would actually ask me what the pastor said. And we didn't have children's church back then. We didn't, we didn't have anything. And it was in Malayalam. And for a kid, you can imagine how tough that might be. I was like, I heard a stotram. <laughs> I remember the salt on because pastor said it real loud and he slapped the table and I heard it but that was it was one of those where you have to remember taking that moment another thing I really want to bring up when it comes to the vine dresser when it comes to us going back in it is a daily task I, I want to say this once again not in, a, in a, a demeaning way it is not the church's responsibility to raise your children it is yours it is not your church's responsibility to raise your children. It is yours. However, growing up in a good community, that's a whole different conversation. What I'm saying is if you expect your children to be in the right way, you can't just put them in a building. You got to take them home. Hey, what did you learn? What does that mean? When you have your family conversations, taking that moment and saying, hey, what did your Sunday school teacher teach you? What did they talk to you about? Don't wait 15, 20 years later when then your kid is not at the level of expert, you know, expectation that you had, where their spirituality may not be at the level you anticipated. You must make sure you take that moment ahead of time. Are you going to be like that vine dresser? Are you going to sit there and meticulously look at your seed? Are you going to follow it from the beginning until the end? The real point of this message is just the fruit that you bear. Take a look at the fruits of the Spirit. If we go and look at what the fruits are, the first is love. The biggest thing I, I hear in so many communities and so many churches is so many kids, so many young adults, so many married couples, so many people just with that lack of love. But if you abide in Christ, if Christ abides in you, if you are keeping the commandments of God, 
it tells you right here that you are connected in love. It's an indication of what you need to fix. Imagine if you had a problem and you knew how to fix it. The only expectation I can tell you is, do you have the ability to take that step forward and fix it? Don't be stagnant, church. Don't come day in and day out expecting great things, but not doing any of the work yourself. It is not possible. The next is joy. How many of you have turned around and just seen joyless homes, joyless relationships, joyless families, joyless parent-child relations? Why? Because there is no connection. If we have that connection to the vine, it is right here in this word of God. God will provide joy. Joy that passeth all understanding. God will provide peace. God will provide patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Take a deep look at your life. Start from here. Start from you. If the fruit of the Spirit is not evident in your life, you are not properly connected to the vine. From there, go to your kids. From there, go to your other relationships. Take this as a challenge. Like I said, this may not be a happy-go-lucky message for some of you, but I hope it internally challenges all of you. Do you see the fruit of God, the fruit of Spirit, kind of bursting forth in your life? Are you impatient with your family? Are you impatient with life? Is everything annoying you? Do you have self-control? Just go down the list. These are literally the guidelines we have to see are we connected to God. Get reconnected, church. Because when you are reconnected, amazing things happen. When you are connected to God, there is nothing we cannot do. If we go back to verse chapter, uh, verse, um, sorry, John chapter 15. And if you go to verse 6, it says, If anyone does not abide in me, He's cast out. And then if you keep reading further, it says in seven, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. Take that moment. There's so many things in life we expect. There's so many things we want from God whether it's healing, whether it's financial stability, whether it's peace at home, whatever it is, take that moment. Get reconnected to the vine. And once you are reconnected, ask God, what is your desire? God, I want my family to do more for you. Take that challenge this day. I hope that really just, just lights some people up that they would do something in three years. Are you going to move forward in God? Are you going to do something, anything to help the kingdom of God move forward? I'm just going to invite the, the team to come back up, but take that moment and just challenge yourself. Challenge yourself to everyone at home. Same question, same challenge. Challenge yourself. Take it step by step. Get reconnected to that vine and you will see your fruit. There is no other alternative. There is no other way to do this but through Jesus. 
And sometimes we forget it's as simple as addressing it in your own life. That reconnection process is as simple as calling out to God and saying, God, I am not in the place I need to be. Draw me close to you. Never let me go. We, we have all these songs and everything is just out there, but sometimes taking that moment to meditate on this word, taking that moment to meditate on what God has truly called you to do. Don't be stagnant Christians. Make sure you are connected to that vine and make sure you see the fruit of your labor. I truly hope that the Spirit of God really convicts some people today. I feel that God is going to do something great. I want you to take this moment and take this prayer with me. God, we just come before you. We surrender our hearts to you this morning. That today is the last day of stagnancy. Today is the last day I simply come to church and go home the same way. But I would do something different, something new, that the next day and the next day and the next day I would draw closer to you. Reconnect me, oh God, to your vine. Whatever is blocking me, in the name of Jesus, I remove it. Whatever is keeping me from you, in the name of Jesus, I remove it. If there is anything that is keeping me from my God, declare that this morning. Whatever is bound here on earth, in the name of Jesus, is bound in heaven. Whatever is loosened, is loosened in heaven. You forget you are the child of the Most High God. Your words have authority, not because of what you say, but because who you are saying it to. Declare in your life some victory, and victory will take place. Get reconnected, church. Get reconnected to that vine. Get reconnected to that vine. Get reconnected to that vine. Because the purpose of God is yet to be shown until you take that step forward. Three years, church. Forget about buildings. Forget about everything else externally. What are you going to do for the kingdom of God? What are you going to do to reduce hell and increase heaven? Take that as a personal challenge. Whether it's one person, whether it's one prayer, whether it's giving a meal to a neighbor you know needs it, but needs to know the love of God. Whatever it may be, do not take stagnancy. Do not stand for stagnancy. Make sure we move forward. Make sure we move forward. Let's just all stand up this morning. We're going to worship God. And I just pray that you would take this to heart. Surrender everything to him. And may God truly bless you.